You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we have some exciting news. The Giants are visiting Las Vegas to take on the Raiders this upcoming Week 9 matchup, and we will be joining the great Bobby Skinner and Justin Pennick of Talking Giants to live stream the game on their YouTube channel. So check out the Talking Giants YouTube channel for us at 425 on uh, this upcoming Sunday, November 5th. And uh, you can see us there. And uh, it'll be just like watching a game with us live, except with a lot less people around us. Uh, and actually probably surrounded by much more smart people. So that'll be a really fun adventure for us. And uh, we hope that you guys can party with us there. Um I guess if you guys have never, uh, if, if for anybody new that's jumping into this channel because it's been announced and want to know what they're in for on Sunday, <laughs> I am the Football Grump. I can be found on Twitter at the Football Grump. I also have another channel where I am launching a whole bunch of 2024 draft stuff in the upcoming week uh, on YouTube. And with me, as always, is my co-host, the Cranky Fan, also available on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. How's it going, dude? I actually just got back from Vegas. I was able to get tickets to see U2 in the Sphere, and Cranky Wife and I were there last night, and pretty amazing, Grump. Even if you hate U2, and even if you hate music, I recommend you try to go see this, see anything in the Sphere. It is, it is unlike any audiovisual experience you'll ever have in your life. Just completely immersive. Um, you know, special effects and visuals and the sound is fantastic. So I'm still pretty blown away by it. Um, you know, unfortunately, my old body cannot take five days in Vegas or else I'd stay out there for the giant game. You know, obviously we had concert tickets and, and booked everything before the NFL schedule even came out. So but did get some interesting little insights when I was out there just from the local media. I mean, obviously, you think the Giants have had a lot of news lately about different things going on. Well, the Raiders has had kind of out of nowhere almost, a, a, you know, complete upheaval of everything. So we, we'll talk about that and uh, my perspective and things. So great week. I But I am ready for this weekend to talk about a you know chance the Giants actually have and to have our big um, live stream on Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, man, me too. Um this has been kind of a crazy week too. So, uh, you know, Giants have a lot of uh, stuff going on themselves between injury news, roster shakeups. Um, Giants shipped off Leonard Williams to the Seattle Seahawks in return for a 2024 second round draft pick and a 2025 fifth round draft pick. Uh, there were some money details that came out of the woodwork. We knew that the Giants would have to eat some of his salary this year in order to make a trade work and in order to get that kind of haul in return. It's a better haul than they than they gave away to get him, which people criticized. Yeah. Um, 
we um we, if you want to hear our reactions to that if you you know just new to the show we have a reaction uh, episode that came out earlier in the week so check that out as well but uh yeah I, I guess one of the reasons why we made the deal the day before because that was the cutoff for when contracts can be redone you know it's a day before the actual trade deadline so I guess we had to do the restructuring by then and we just we flipped them you know at that time so all they really did is kind of kick 4.7 million dollars into the existing dead money in 2024 so that just brought the 2024 dead hit up to 10.7 million so it did clear some money this year um and that probably allowed the giants to do a couple of roster moves that were necessary due to injury so tyrod taylor suffered a i i still don't know if we know do we know the nature of Tyrod Taylor's injury? Like, do we have a specific we, diagnosis, or do we only know it to be an injury to his ribs? Yeah, Tyrod Taylor with, with ribs. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was the rib that punctured a something with the doctor was trying to fix it. It punctured the lung or something back when he was with uh, the Chargers and ended his season, um, and probably changed the trajectory of his career after that. So. Um, I'm sure he didn't want to take any chances, whatever it is with him now, but uh, you know that leaves us with quite a bind. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think his ultimate destination. Do you think is IR, or do you I think he'll? Think so. You think he's going to come back this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, quite honestly, if we're you know, if we sign we sign Matt Barkley off the, um, you know, off the scrap heap. And we still have Tommy DeVito as kind of that practice squad guy. I mean, is there really a need for Tyrod Taylor anymore? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the trajectory of the season at this point. I, mm-hmm. I, I guess if for whatever absurd reason the Giants go on a five-game run, <laughs> um, you know, we'll may, may, maybe then. yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. that's when you make your QB decision or, or right. something like that. I'm not sure, but right. yeah, I guess so. Um, in other news, uh, other injury news, Graham Gano is going to have knee surgery that will surely end his season. Uh, good news about this is that because this is his non-kicking foot, I do think that this recovery from this surgery will be like as if nothing happened. You know what I mean? Agreed, yeah. Um, and in the interim, it's expected that the Giants will sign Randy Bullock. I do not believe that's been an official announcement yet. Not officially as of uh, recording this on, on Thursday evening. But, uh, hey, you know, when you are cleared to play, you are expected to produce. You can't, you know, um, you know, they went for that field goal at the end of the game. He missed it. It's, you know, you know, we're not doctors, but it's obvious that the, the Pro Bowl kicker who got a big contract, who blew two relatively easy field goals, something was impacting him. So, just because you're clear doesn't mean you're 100%, and I think we need a kicker who kicks 100% right now, especially we're playing these low-scoring, you know, close games where a field goal or, you know, a, a kickoff that, that goes out of bounds or something could make the difference between winning and losing a game. So I don't think we should be messing around with him. You know, kudos to him for trying to gut it out and play through pain, but if it's impacting you, it's Im- impacting this team more than ever. So I think the Giants are doing the right thing and shutting him down. Let's get the surgery now. The season is pretty much a lost season as it is. Get him healthy for next year. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think that if this Giants offense were what it's supposed to be in 2023, I think you can screw around 
for a few weeks with a kicker that's got an injury to his non-kicking knee. But right. once you once you and I mean it was pretty immediate. Once you devolve into this grinded out slugfest uh, offense where every field goal from forty plus is desperately Mandatory. needed, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just not a viable option anymore. You just, yeah. It's just yeah. not going to work. Yeah, never mind. Oh, can he hit a fifty-three yarder? It's can you hit a twenty-four yarder? And you know, obviously, you can't right now. Um. Any thoughts on Randy Bullock or Matt Barkley specifically? Or I, I mean, Matt Barkley has spent some time with Brian Dable. Whatever gets him up to speed fast. You know, at this point, I think you're picking off the scrap heap. It's you know the shiniest piece of shit in the bunch. Uh, well, I mean, it know. goes it goes back to you know what I just said about the kickers. If you know Daniel Jones is cleared to play, that means he has to play. But you know, again, if he goes down again. You know, we're looking at our fourth. I mean, how many teams out there really have a fourth option at quarterback? I mean, next to nobody. So Matt Barkley is a guy who at least can throw the ball past the line of scrimmage. I mean, don't expect him to go to Canton from his performance with the Giants. Don't expect this offense to turn into something that it isn't. He is at least somebody that has some familiarity with some sort of the playbook that has been run before when he was at Buffalo. He's at least somebody that is, you know, won't be a green raw rookie or a guy like Tommy DeVito. He's a placeholder. But again, if Daniel Jones goes down again, does it really matter at this point? No, it doesn't. But I think one more thing that you can add in, uh, somebody like Matt Barkley that is familiar with the concepts of the Dable offense, uh, a veteran older person, like that will do a lot for Tommy DeVito, who now has already been thrust into the spotlight. And one other thing, too, that, you know, my big knock has been about Tyrod Taylor, that I always felt like he's playing for his next contract and playing to start somewhere. Matt Barkley has no illusions of his future. Matt Barkley is happy to be on an NFL roster. He's an older guy who's just, you know, doing what he has to do, whether he's on this roster for two weeks or the rest of the season, whether he doesn't take one snap in a, in a, in a game or becomes a starter if, if Daniel Jones goes down again, but he understands why he's here and what his role is. And I think, you know, just in that mindset, I think they'd be more of an advantage for the giants than, you know, worrying about if, if Tyrod Taylor comes in, does he get hurt? Like he just did and what I fear the most. And then we are looking at a team that does not have a passing game. So in that way, I agree. Feel a little more comfortable with a guy like Barkley, even though his production probably, you know, he again another guy off the couch, but you know, for that mindset way, it is something a little different to look at than most people are. Yeah, I agree. Um, on the other side of the field, the Raiders are doing a ton of shuffling of their own. Um, My God. So I, I, you know, it's silly. At first, I thought it was a middle of the night firing, but then I realized that there was a time difference. So it was just a very late evening firing. <laughs> well, let me give you this background. You know, again, um, we land in Vegas Tuesday about ten o'clock Pacific time. So I'm literally with my bag, my wife, not my wife and the bag, not my wife, the bag. Um, and I look up at the Caesars. You know Caesar's Palace Sportsbook, and um, big letters on, on one of the big screens. Josh McDaniel fired his coach as the Raiders, and I was like, 
holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally spent the entire flight prepping, you know, for the for the podcast and prepping for the weekend and everything, thinking about, well, what's been go what's been wrong with this team? What is the problem with, you know, Garoppolo and what is the thing with Josh McDaniels? What are the people hearing me thinking? And all of a sudden, storylines out the window. Like like everything else I did in Vegas, I lost. So yeah, th this is – let's talk a little bit about um, sure. Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, Mark Davis in general. Um, well, oh, actually, yes. for, first, let's re – really quick. Well, so it was Tuesday night. Um, Mark Davis fired both GM Dave Ziegler and head coach Josh McDaniels. It was later announced that uh, linebackers coach was Antonio Pierce was um, promoted to interim head coach, Champ Kelly interim general manager. Uh, and I believe it was shortly after that that Antonio Pierce named Aiden O'Connell as the starting quarterback. Yes. Uh, so that's sort of the background here. A uh, lot of characters in this play, so uh, I guess we'll start. I want to start with um, Mark Davis and just make a really quick point. So I, I was kind of looking this up. Uh, Mark Davis is a billionaire. Um but the Davises, as far as I can tell, pretty much only own the Raiders and the Las Vegas Aces. Yes, they are a they are a football family. I mean, Al Davis was the original, I believe, original head coach of the Raiders, and he was also the AFL commissioner back when. And you know, eventually, he was able to buy the team. I think still in the AFL days when they weren't very expensive, and obviously. You know, he may be a billionaire, but that is not cash. That is the, I would say, the value of the Raiders and associated properties are probably a vast, vast, vast majority of what his, you know, net worth truly is. So, and so it, it, yeah, and that's what I, I thought was interesting, right? Because owning the Las Vegas Aces is like owning nothing. I mean, I, in terms of liquid value, that, that's a low, low, low totem pole sort of owning. Uh, and then owning the Raiders, I think he's worth something like $2 billion. That's kind of lowercase b when you consider what what it is that he owns. Um, and in the past, I know with odd sort of head coaching deals that he's handed out to John Gruden that were massive, massive deals, there was some rumors around that they are a cash-poor organization, as in – you know, the NFL operates on a salary cap for player contracts, but for all the other things involved in the organization, such as coach salaries, staff salaries, etc., there is just, in, you know, there is no limit on how much you can spend as an organization in those uh, areas. And, you know, well, other, other organizations have more money than the Raiders. And this is where COVID comes in and where you don't think about it, where... COVID was the I was it the first year of the new when they made the move to Vegas was the COVID year. That I sounds think, right. So you know all of that revenue that you're supposed to be getting, you don't get. You know you sell club seats. Club seats are not factored into the pool that goes, you know, distributed among the league and things. That's that's money you keep. Well, when you have empty club seats, you don't get that cash. You know, you're still paying, you're still playing your, your players, you're paying all your staff, you're paying all the executives, you're paying whatever debt service you have on the new stadium. I know Clark County and Vegas 
spent the bulk of that stadium, but they didn't get a brand new stadium for free. So that year, they're probably going to have to catch up on for years to come because they lost basically a year of revenue. So I understand that Mark Davis grew up as a very rich boy. Uh, and for those reasons, probably has uh, surrounded himself by – he only knows being rich. And uh, he is surrounded by what I assume is yes men. But he is not among the richer people in this circle of people you know, that are NFL owners. So it strikes me as odd that he is surrounded by so many yes men and not one person to tell him that that haircut is brutal. <laughs> I just it's crazy well, to me that you know he's that rich well you know? rich richness is as important as power and yeah you know it's amazing it's interesting transformation because Al Davis was the pariah of the National Football League for the longest time I mean how many lawsuits did Al Davis have against Pete Rozelle and then Paul Tagliabue and you know and and such and stuff but regardless the least powerful owner in the NFL is still one of the most powerful men in sports. So, you know, there's only 32 teams in the league, so you can't just dismiss some guy as a buffoon because he looks ridiculous, you know, and um, and he acts ridiculous. But, you know, the, the facts are the facts is he's the owner. He wields a lot of power. He's a lead, he, he wields a lot of power in the NFL, wields a lot of power with the networks, you a lot of power in the in the city of Las Vegas now. So, yeah, those guys, and all the and you know probably, you know feels like he's you know well, I uh, I inherited this. I didn't I didn't make this myself. So he's trying to overcompensate for that. So yeah, you are going to crown yourself with yes men who will tell you whatever. And that you know the haircuts one thing, the fact that this might be the most poorly managed and run team in the NFL. That seems to be a much bigger problem that how many coaches have they gone through in the last, you know, since Al died, you know, between having a head coach, firing a head coach, uh, you know, an interim coach, getting rid of them, you know, going from no names to spending, you know, a ton on, on the Grudens to, you know, trying to replicate the Patriot way, you know, everything they've done. Well, I mean, they, they also any- had to leave a city. Um, I know they got a brand new stadium out of the deal, but they had to leave a city. Um is kind of a big deal, and sure. also the Gruden the Gruden fallout was embarrassing. That that lawsuit is still ongoing. Of course, we don't know what that's ultimately. I mean, that already took down, you know, another team, and it's you know this is not over yet for them. So, and let's put it this way: Al Davis and then the son. The city of Oakland did not want to work with them to build them a new stadium. Think about that for a minute, you know. Anybody would kill that NFL stadium. The money it brings in, the, the revenue, the the notoriety, the you know whatever, and they would not work with the Davises. So that tells you what people actually think of how this organization is run, how they do their business, you know how they conduct themselves, how they appear. So this, would you say Grump is the the worst organization in the NFL right now, top to bottom? I think from the moment that Josh Harris bought the Washington Commanders, they've been the worst. Well, I mean, how long has he owned the Commanders? Six months? Yes, that's my point. I mean, 
And also, you are digging out of a, you know all sorts of things, whether it's no, no, no. Uh, I'm saying I'm sorry. the Raiders have been the worst organization in the NFL oh, since Josh Harris took over I the apologize. Commanders. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So they've yeah. been second worst for this whole time. So. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I, they're a disgrace. Um, Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly, I think, in this scenario, are uh, background characters. Um, you know, moving on, Dave Ziegler did some GM moves that I think are head scratching over the years, and I don't think we need to break them down. But like Derek Carr got a huge deal. Um, you know, they declined Josh Jacobs' fifth year option. All of the all of the moves, Garoppolo. yeah, signing Garoppolo. I mean, letting Darren Waller go. There, there's a number of different things. Uh, trading away, um, trading for Rocky Sin. I forget who they traded away for that, but it was kind of an absurd deal. They didn't get the return. But I, I think when you look at those moves, sure, you can pin them, and you should pin them on Dave Ziegler. But I think the mastermind behind a lot of those trades is Josh McDaniels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Josh McDaniels was a head scratching, you know higher in the first place i mean he was awful with denver and he goes there um but this new whoa, 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 whoa. forget denver forget denver what he did in denver was actually you know you can make an argument that he over excelled over a mistake in drafting tim tebow first overall by bringing them to the playoffs at least for a game what he did to indianapolis i thought would get him no head coaching interviews ever again I'm sorry, in his life indianapolis indianapolis you're, you're, yeah, I'm, you, I'm thinking going I, to I, I india and another then bad, another bad uh, thing on this and also let's not for, go ahead Keep well going. i'm just saying bailing on an organization after agreeing to terms and i'm sure that jim ursay is a piece of shit guy and i'm sure there's a lot that we don't know that went into that i'm just saying the optics of it it's just crazy absolutely screwed the Colts out of a head coaching search. Sure. Um, it, it, I don't know how he ever got another interview again. I mean, he just his resume is just not good. Yeah, exactly. They've oh. been playing uninspired. Uh, Antonio Pierce is the most interesting character, I think, in all of this. Yeah. Do you think it was a little strange they, uh, they went over Patrick Graham and went right to him? I think it's very strange, and I think that this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I get the feeling that Antonio Pierce is kind of a, uh, I don't know. I think the personality with Antonio Pierce may be something that broke apart the locker room, maybe a little bit more. And I'm not saying that he's necessarily a bad guy, or maybe it was the right move, but look at the trail behind Antonio Pierce. I mean... Did we ever get a resolution as to how he escaped justice in hiding Plexico versus gun? A. No. no. I, I don't think we ever did get anything on that. Mm-hmm. After that, he goes to coach high school or something like that, and I don't know anything about that. Goes to Arizona State, where he was, a believe, a defensive coordinator, and it was part of the mass exodus that left Arizona State following a very large recruiting scandal. Um, was he I, hired by Herm Edwards? Was he part of all that? I don't know if he was hired by Herm Edwards. Why would is there a reason that would matter? Just curious. I'm just curious. I mean, Herm came in there and it was like, oh, this team will get in trouble in four years, and oh. sure enough. So, <laughs> um, well, I'm I'm just saying I'm not actually I'm. There are breadcrumbs. I'm laying them out. I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. connecting them. I'm just saying these are the breadcrumbs that he left. Uh, you know, he goes here, and rumors were that there was some disagreement among coaches and staff. 
uh, over who should be playing between Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer, and Aiden O'Connell when Jimmy Garoppolo went down with injury. Those uh, intensified, and I find it very interesting that Antonio Pierce is selected over Patrick Graham, and immediately following that, we have a quarterback named... Yeah. I, I just... I get the sense that there was a clashing of personalities specifically between those two people. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure that there were separate camps and other characters in this play. But something tells me that Antonio Pierce, in order to be named the interim head coach, had to be the one that had some kind of back channel communications with Mark Davis. Do you get that sense? Yeah. Uh, Well, first thing I also thought was odd was – you fire a coach after a Monday night game when you're playing on Sunday. So, you know, usually when you when you launch a coach, maybe it's before the bye week. Or if you launch a coordinator, it's before. So you have a couple of weeks to prepare and get things installed and just get some time for the chaos to subside a little bit. To fire somebody like on a Tuesday and a Tuesday night at that, you know, that gives you a really, really short week to everybody to kind of concentrate and think about playing a football game in, in four days. Um, yeah, I was listening to a couple uh, local podcasts uh, today in, in Vegas, and their sense is that Antonio Pierce's job for just this year, like he's not going to be a serious candidate you know, at the end of the year. It's just somebody that's just going to be an emotional figurehead at the top and now Patrick Graham can run his defense they can run their offense and not have to worry about interference all over the place and he's just kind of being a super high level CEO who's not really putting his thumbprint on much of anything uh, so I thought that was an interesting take um, so the, the bottom line for the Giants is like this really couldn't happen in a better time I mean for us we have been getting bad breaks all over the place this year and this appears to be an actual good break. That's an interesting perspective. Uh, as far as as far as the firing happening on a Tuesday night, I, I think that this was boiling for a while, and I think Mark Davis probably has a temper. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, these camps were already divided uh, the- for for weeks now. So I, it was a particularly uninspired performance. Uh, was it against Detroit? Was the oh, last game? I got- I got some stats about this. How bad that game was. Well, yeah, it, but but then you, you have what, you have wide receivers throwing helmets, yeah, and, and stuff like that. I mean, I think just tempers fueled, and you don't have a level-headed owner that is taking logical approaches. And I think that you probably had some heated exchange that led to the firings being more abrupt than. You know, I think that's really likely. There was another theory too that they were saying that you know, Las Vegas is becoming city of champions. You know, um, the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup. The Aces just won the WNBA title. The Aces are owned by Mark Davis. And Mark Davis was very front and center. I mean, I watched that fourth quarter of the, of the end of the uh, the Aces-Liberty game, and he was the first one on the court. He was the one who took the trophy. He's the one that was, like, super excited. He looked like Steve Ballmer, like, at a, at a Clipper game. So... Some of the things they're thinking of is that, you know, he has a taste of victory. He gives, you know, the Raiders haven't won anything probably in 
how old is Mark Davis? Is he 50? I mean, does he ever remember the last time the Raiders won a Super Bowl? And that when owners and, and people like that are in power, they act impulsive, especially when they get a little taste of something that they like. And then his attention turned fully to the Raiders and like, this isn't cutting it. I need to make moves right now. So that could be another possible theory of the abruptness of it. I completely think that what you said is very, very valid also about clash of personalities and it boiled up. But I think the timing of all of this, you know, maybe this little perfect storm of all these different things were like, okay, I'm making the move right now. Be damned when it is on the schedule or even what day of the week it is. We're doing this now and moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, Going into the injury report for the week, um, the Giants have some good news. Like you said, this is fortuitous timing for the Giants. Uh, They had their meltdown last week as every single possible piece falling apart did. This week we have uh, Daniel Jones being cleared for contact. That actually happened last week. We went over all of that on the last episode. Um, I believe he was a full participant in practice. I mean, not like they... That shouldn't matter anyway. There's, he's wearing a red jersey in practice. Being cleared for contact does nothing other than he's approved to play for the game, so you prepare him like he's going to play for the game, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I believe we got some positive news, though it's tentative on Andrew Thomas. He did a little bit more. Uh, it's more about how he responds in the coming days. That's just sort of how it is with soft tissue injuries like hamstrings. It's not about the day of work. It's about following up. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, um, what about Evan Neal? Evan Neal, I, I think we have like no change in status, limited participant in practice with the ankle. Darren Waller still hasn't practiced, and that's probably the most concerning. Darren Waller is out. I saw that this evening. He's already been designated as out on Thursday. I saw something earlier that he was out. Yes. Oof, that's bad news. Um, on the flip side of the field. The um, the Las Vegas Raiders have two linebackers dealing with injuries, one of which almost certainly is going to be out. He has still not practiced following a concussion. That's Luke Masterson. I believe he's kind of like a backup linebacker, has like sub-package roles. Um, more importantly, I think, is that Max Crosby and Nate Hobbs have been limited. Those are two guys that I would be pretty worried about on Sunday. So any capacity in which they are not 100% is working in our favor. Um, Max Crosby dealing with some lower body injuries. Um, I want to get back to Waller really quickly, just go to ahead. follow up. Yeah. Um, this report here, this is out of Giants Wire. Um, he's been ruled out already, and Dable implied that both uh, Tyrod Taylor and Waller could land on injured reserve in the near future. Um, he's expected to miss several weeks down Waller, so. Yikes. No bueno. Yeah, and that was the big fear with getting him. Yes, yes. We we were we heard the name, we got excited, and then our initial thought was, well, how many weeks will we actually get with him? And how much do you count on him? Well, guess what? <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. How much of not wanting to push Darren Waller do you think coincides with the season going the way it is? Any percentage? I think there's some. I mean, what really do we want? Do you want to risk? And even that's the thing I'm thinking about with with, with Daniel Jones as well. I mean, where we are now, being two and six, 
do we really want to rush these guys back and risk potential major injury where, you know, does it mean an extra win this year or, you know, could they be out for, you know, really impact their health? Um, I think they'll take their time with a guy like Waller and make sure he's 100% healthy when he's back. There's no reason for him to, to rush back here. Especially when, you know, the offense is bad as it's looked. I mean, I, I get it, Daniel Jones is back. But let's say, for example, you know, we were back to Tyrod Taylor or Daniel Jones. You know, he's cleared to play. He's not been hit yet. He's been limited participant. He takes his first shot in the first five minutes of the game, and all of a sudden he's got that feeling in his left side again. He's out. Now you're back to Matt Barkley. I mean, honestly, what are these guys going to do for an offense that, you know, showed last week they have zero passing game when they're go digging that far down the depth chart and a, a quarterback. So I, I really don't see the need to rush these guys back at all. Get them healthy. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think more so with Darren Waller than Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones, you have to look at the schedule and look for the game, t the, the segment of time that lines up with him that's the best games to bring him back. Uh, I think some of that has to do with just, you know, psychological stuff. A game he'll be more likely to be comfortable in the pocket and stuff like that. This this may sound I, I maybe I'm picking nits here or just looking to things to worry about, but does it worry you at all that he's coming back to a game that's being played on turf as no. opposed to grass? No. Okay. Not at all. Right. That would be based on the injury itself, and this seems like more of a neck whip related thing, which would be my my uh, issue would be taking hits, not field surface. absorbing hits okay yeah i mean there's not the field surface i think like him bouncing off the field is not going to do anything different for his neck if it were a head injury maybe yeah okay. just because it's a harder surface i guess or it certainly if it were like a knee or ankle injury i would think it would have more of an impact um but not, not this no okay um i'm trying in my head to just kind of Something doesn't set me right right now that Daniel Jones is coming back this week. And I think that that might be just irrational gut feeling, but I feel in my – something tells me they're rushing him back. Not that even – I know he was cleared to play last week, but we were kind of feeling like we were going to see him for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, well, he's cleared to play, and here he is this week. So It's, it's the out-diagnosis that makes it strange. They didn't have to designate him. As, it's not about – I don't care that he didn't play Sunday. It's fine. Right. Like I yeah, know yeah. that he took no reps and you know it, there was no but, – but the fact that they designated him as out on Friday is what makes it confusing because the week before they left it open as if he might play. And that's what – it creates a speculation that – they think they thought it was going to be soon, and there was then some kind of setback. And then why is why aren't our doctors on twenty four hour call? I don't think uh, it. I don't think this specific injury works like that. I mean, they they said like they wanted to have like a fi a final um, review of him, and they had to push it back because the doctor was unavailable. Or oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those. Really. We're working around a doctor's schedule. I don't. I don't think it really matters. I, I don't think it was pushed back by an amount of days that would have given him reps that would have cleared him to play. So I don't think it matters. Yeah. I mean, if it were pushed back seven days, I would be very surprised. No, that'd be ridiculous. That'd be. But yeah, that's what I mean. Like it, he was cleared on Sunday, so uh, unless if if I have to assume that he the whatever appointment was pushed back, something no 
more than 48 hours, which wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, okay. Um, so speaking of this game, with Daniel Jones likely coming back uh, and playing, I don't know if it's actually been announced yet or not, but I'm going to assume that Daniel Jones is leading the Giants into Vegas. Um, my take on running an offense here is you need to start this game out with confidence and put them away early. Uh, I, 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 it, it was a sound theory, I think, that Antonio jo- uh, Antonio jo- Antonio Pierce <laughs> is um, going to be a high-energy sort of cheerleader head coach that kind of allows an offense to be run and a defense, and he can be the head CEO. I think they're going to come out here with a high energy, and I think it's really important in an away stadium to shut down energy quickly. And to me, the best way a team like this does this is by, you know, engineering a few opening drives that lean heavy on the run and take the spirit out of their pass rush. Because right now, when I look at their defense, the only thing that really scares me is Max Crosby. And it's mostly because... On one side of the ball, we just don't have anybody that deals well with a fast pass rusher, just a pure speed rusher. On the other side of the ball, if Andrew Thomas comes back, we have someone that's good at it when healthy, but he's still dealing with a hamstring injury. So I think Max Crosby is public enemy number one for us. And the best way to just shut that down is to just power run the first couple of drives. Take something out of the pass rush and then follow that up with some deep and intermediate shots mixed in in the following drives to kind of eat up chunks, take control early, get ahead, and wipe ahead, wipe away the only threat that they have on defense. That's kind of how I'm looking at our offensive game plan going into this game. I'm looking at this from the, the opposite side of the field. I'm looking at the defense. Um, first thing, you know, this is an away game, but I would bet there's going to be thousands and thousands of giant fans there. I mean, the day they announced the Raiders are moving to Vegas, everybody was like, okay, when do we play the AFC West again? When is it an away game? When are we going to Vegas? And again, I'd be there too if I just wasn't there yesterday. Uh, but I, I can't spend five days in Vegas. I would I would drop dead of exhaustion and be broke. Um, but there'll be a lot of Giant fans in that stadium. I can guarantee that. Um you know, Grump, whenever we go to a game, I always say before the opening kickoff, take the ball first. I, I want to score first. I think this is an opposite thing for me. One of the rare times where I'd rather have our defense on the field first. Rookie quarterback who, you know, didn't think he was starting until, you know, Wednesday. Uh, you know, there whatever shakeup there is in the offense, you know, whatever shakeup there is in their normal routine, whatever shakeups there are, period, there's a it's not the normal for them. So this is a Wink Martindale special again, you know, like it was last week with the with, with the Jets. A chance to rattle a young quarterback and do it early. Uh, you know. Continue this pass rush of you know, Kayvon Thibodeau being great lately and Dexter Lawrence being great lately and be exotic. Go after him. You know, put make him see ghosts early. You know, take the crowd out of already. Well, you know, with, with, with what we do best. And I think this is a game where the defense can dominate. Um, the 
the Raiders are not a team that gets a lot of turnovers. They don't do really much of anything right. Um, I don't, I'm not relying, I don't need our offense to win this game for him. I just think we just need to play enough of an offense just to get by and just have the defense kind of control this game. Uh, you know, they got, um, Garoppolo was sacked six times last week. Uh, you know, they, um, they were the worst teams, like I said, in turnover margin. Um, the defense was on the field for almost 40 minutes last week. I mean, there's, let's just make a bad situation on offense even worse and dictate to them. Um, that to me is the key of the game. Don't give them any early, you know, thoughts on offense at all. Just shut them down in the very beginning. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. From a defensive standpoint, my my big key here is obviously confusing Aiden O'Connell with Wink Martindale, uh, bringing the pressure. That those are like staples of his defense. But mm-hmm. for me, you have a a rookie quarterback in an overwhelming situation. I look to take away the safety blankets. So I am looking at – I actually think what you do is you try and uh, mess with them. I think you start off by showing lots of pressure and continuing to drop more people in coverage than you bring. And you you know, take away the Josh Jacobs op- option. You take away the Devontae Adams option and especially take away the Michael Mayer option. Get those guys – you know – and by takeaway, I mean, you know, even hidden coverage. Maybe bait him into a poor decision. Make it look open, but it's really not because you have somebody dropping underneath or something like that. I think that's what you do early. Get That'll mm-hmm. really screw him up. I agree. Then you follow it up with the heavy pressure. That's where you bring yeah. stuff. You start confusing the shit out of him with twists and stuff like that. Are you, are you at all worried with the void left behind by Leonard Williams? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was a presence, and also it, you know, I we've lost a key bit of, of depth, also. That, you know, it, it's that was the, the downside, I guess, risk of trading guys, you know, when you, when you do a fire sale, is that all of a sudden now you have to, you know, you're relying on depth and you and you, you don't have your main guy there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite concerned about that. Um, I guess I'm not really worried about it in this game, but I'm worried about it a little bit in upcoming games that we might have. Well, let me let me caveat that, I guess. Let me see how good our offense is first. Yeah. I mean, if, if you know, just because Daniel Jones is coming back, it's not all of a sudden, you know, we have the greatest offense in the universe coming back. You know, if, if we are still sputtering, if the, if the offensive line is still giving us problems, if we can't really run the ball, if Daniel Jones looks very rusty or something and you know we're either three and outing or the time possession is not in our favor or something that whatever physical advantage you might have against them can be offset by the fact that you know depth issues and you know that's going to factor in so that's my think about thinking about that if if this was something where daniel jones has been back a month and the offense is continuing playing better i'd feel exactly the way you do but too many unknowns on that side of the ball to make me feel confident about anything on on that side um, final thoughts on this is I think that the Giants need to be careful of this game. I think that um, you should not underestimate the fact that this was a playoff team last year that went 10-7 and seven and that a lot of the – I'm not going to try and be fooled by the poor, awful play that we saw 
the last couple of weeks from them because to me it looked like a dejected team that was playing without any sort of hope, spirit, or energy. And I don't think that it should be um, underestimated the kind of boost somebody like Antonio Pierce can bring just by bringing a high energy, passionate <laughs> sort of thing. I'm, I'm not being, I'm not, no, I'm no, not no, kidding. No, no, no. You know something? I am laughing because I thought you were talking about the Giants. No, 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 no. <laughs> about a bad team that looks dejected, looks kind of out of it based on who they play. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about the subcommittee. They have to be – I think they have to be careful with the Raiders. I think that a lot of people think that this is a cakewalk game, and I don't think it is. I think that Antonio Pierce coming in can do a lot to turn around a 10-17. and 17. The Giants weren't 10-7 and 7 last year, were they? No. Were they, they were 9-8-1 nine, nine, and one or something. All like right, that. close enough, though. You're but right, I mean, you're right. Um, but yeah, I think they have to be serious. And even an idiot like Jeff Saturday got a lot out of the Colts in his first two or three games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that it should be underscore. I, I think they need to be serious. There are serious weapons on this Raiders team, and you know, a, a couple of well-engineered drives can score points. And we haven't been good at scoring points, so it doesn't really matter how good the defense is if we start falling behind. We haven't seen a whole lot of good. So I, I just don't want to even get in the situation where we're dealing with crowd noise and playing from behind or anything like that, and I think it's possible. But at the end of the day, I think that Daniel Jones opens up an offense that even if they get one quarter's worth of the play they had against Arizona, if they get the third quarter version of that offense, it's already more points than they've scored like the last three games. So... um I think that Daniel Jones brings that, and I think that Aiden O'Connell is going to look overwhelmed in his face. Had this been like somebody like an offensive-minded veteran guy being promoted to be interim head coach, I'd be more worried about points Vegas is going to put on the board, but I'm really not. I, I think the Giants actually win this game 23-10. to 10. Well, the scuttlebutt in Vegas was you know, people were calling for him to start like last week or something. And the uh, you know they're like why he's not that good, what, what they saw him in there. It's not like you're bringing. It's not like having like Trevor Lawrence, who's a rookie, right. who's been like been buying time on the bench, waiting, and people are chanting his name because they know the franchise is coming. This is a quarterback who's just blah. So um, if <laughs> I, I I agree with you, um, but the Giants should be in no position to be taking anything for granted against anybody. At any time this year, the defense has been playing well. Um, you know, last week they looked dominant at times, but it was also against a really, really bad Jets offense. Um, but I think there is something to this defense getting better and better. You know, obviously, Buffalo is not a slouch, slouch at all, slouch, slouch at all. Um, they are playing better. Um, the, the fact is, you know, Daniel Jones, you know, the you don't have to have that second half offense against Arizona to to win games and be successful in this league. The Giants just cannot have offenses like last week and the week before when a backup quarterback, you know, backup quarterback one can't get you in the end zone and backup quarterback two can't throw the ball forward. Um, we finally have a starting quarterback again, which we haven't for quite a while. Um, someone who knows this offense better than anybody somebody who has the best physical skills of anybody we've had a quarterback for 
you know, for a while. And don't under, people kind of get people who might have been thinking, well, is there a Jones versus Tyrod Taylor controversy? And yeah, they're both the same. No, they're not. You neither of us have ever even want to entertain that there's a controversy or a comparison of the two. Daniel Jones is significantly better than Tyrod Taylor. And by that, this offense should be significantly better than it was before. Um, taking all that into account, I don't see the Giants scoring 49 points or something, but I think we when to go back to that. Can they score, you know, 14 to 21 points against a Raider team where I'm not worried about an offense? Uh, so defense will be on the field a lot, I believe. Yes, I think the Giants can. I think the Giants, in, in spite of whatever short-term excitement and um, adrenaline by the change, you know, not just the head coach, but everything, maybe some new enthusiasm by a crowd, maybe even by people in the locker room for, for Vegas. But at the end of the day, you got to play. And once you start playing, that goes away pretty quickly. And it becomes a question of talent. And I think the Giants have more talent than the Raiders. I think we will win this game 21-9. America's actual game of the week is Dallas at Philly. Um, most people <laughs> in the United States will be getting that game. Um, Lucky them. <laughs> I think Dallas wins this game. Uh, they're coming off. They're just healthy. They're healthy, and Philadelphia is not. That's just the way I'm looking at it. Where's the game? Philly. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with you. I think I'm going to I'm going to take Dallas. Not that I love Dallas so much as a, as a, a team or anything, but Philly just hasn't been Philly. Yeah, that's really and where Dallas, I'm at. Yeah, and Dallas has been kind of you know awful great, awful great kind of. But I I, I think uh, I think this is the time of the year where Philly can be had. And I think a a, a pretty solid. Dallas team, if not a great Dallas team, can go in there. I, I, I think they beat them. And if uh, if that's the game of the week, we are the who cares game of the week. Then the other America's who cares game of the week <laughs> is Washington at New England at 1 o'clock. Um, I'm, I'm going New England in this, and that's partially because of the Washington fire sale. I mean, getting rid of Montez Sweat and Chase Young, we haven't talked about this yet, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. No, we haven't. Um, that's huge because I saw some idiot opinion that was like, oh, this is why you don't draft the same position in consecutive years or in the same year because then you can't afford them. But the cap space is not the issue here. This is a fire no. sale. This is a fire sale. Ron Rivera's gone. And I do think that it's possible that this team gets a second or a third rebrand. It's not been ruled out. And I, I just think that they, they you know, again, the prior ownership has botched everything that they touched. And they had two rebrands in four years. Nobody liked any of them. It doesn't seem like it came from anything. But let me ask you, Grump, do you think that they should have, you know, gotten rid of both of these guys? I mean, do you think these guys are parts that are any sort of future with, with, with Washington? Or do you think it was smart just to, you know, Get what you can now and just really just completely start over. I think it was smart to move on from Chase Young. I think that he's someone that probably is partially a bust due to uh, expectation. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, someone who could benefit from change of location, especially going to San Francisco. He, he was like Micah Parsons for two weeks, and that was it. Remember when he didn't he like his first couple of games? He was really good, and that was it. Maybe, but I mean, yeah. like he's been a non-factor, and I know he's hurt and whatever. But right. he was hurt for an obscenely long period of time too. It was something like a year and a half. Like right, he like right. started the year on IR, and he didn't get activated till something like November, December. Um, right. You know, he's somebody that I think could benefit from a, a change of location, a change of scenery, and getting anything for him makes sense. Montez Sweat, I think. First of all, if you're in a fire sale, getting anything for anybody of value that you have makes sense. But I think that Montez Sweat is somebody that they could have retained and uh, continued to build around. But Well, let me ask you. I mean, the bigger question is, do you think they should have been in fire sale mode? Yeah. I think it's time. I mean, if it were me as an owner, I would put us I, – I mean, I would just move on from a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I – do you believe in Sam Howells being the future? But what I saw in person, no. But I also know that you know it's is what his fifth ever start. No, I understand that. I'm just saying, yeah. from what you've seen, I mean, do you believe him to be the future of that team? From what you've seen, I believe that they think he can be the future. I don't. I wouldn't put my eggs in the Sam Howell basket if I was a GM. That's where I'm at. And yeah. what other pieces do you think are part of that team that you're like? That is a cornerstone piece. There's only like two. Like, yeah. you, you've got a couple of defensive linemen, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and you have Terry McLaurin, and then you've got a bunch of guys on like rookie deals. So, mm-hmm. like, I think that you are, they're just, all the planets are sort of aligning for them to just, just wipe it all clean. You know what I mean? Like, you've got an aging, coach who's had cancer very recently um you know not really very inspired he hasn't even been coaching well you can move on from him you just just wipe everything clean and i think you have a a fan base that'd be willing to do that i just think they so desperately want to turn the page on everything you know we keep going back to branding but you know with that beat i think they want to just start over it's almost like can you give me a in effect, an expansion team, and let me start new. And I think that, you know, they've they've been so mediocre and irrelevant for so long. I think if you said we're really committed to doing this with, you know, a new perspective from the very top down, I think you'll get buy-in for it and you'll get acceptance of it. Yeah. So, I, to me, it makes sense to just get rid of anything that you can get of value and put yourself in a position for a turnaround. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they are. That it's like full tank, destroy everything, let it go. But if you've got something of value and you're getting phone calls, it makes sense. I mean, That's I, how I felt how yeah. we were kind of at the deadline. If you make a deal that makes sense to us and we get some real good assets, we'll listen. But we're not just dumping guys to dump them. No, but I, I think they're in more of a position. They're they're primed for a, a start of a rebuild. Yeah. So I, I think they're they're in a unique position. Um. In any case, uh, New England wins this game. Ugh. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right. So um, this has been a super long episode. Sorry about that. But just as a final reminder, uh, you can see us on 
the Talking Giants YouTube channel. We will be doing a live stream, probably starting sometime around 4 o'clock before the game actually starts and going forward. Um, we don't know what to expect. We're excited. Um, you know, if you have anything, you know, it's going to be three and a half hours. It could be a really bad game. If you have anything you want us to talk about, we're on there, you know. Shoot either of us a, a no, DM no, 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 no. Just hop in the live. Hop oh, in the do live. that too. I guess. Yeah, yeah sure. It's yeah. live, so you just throw your comments up there. I'm sure that. I mean, we'll have plenty to talk about, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be cool. You know, it's, it'll be kind of like sitting with us at a game, I imagine. Um, so be sure to check that out. Uh, of course, you know, tell a friend, tell other people, other Giants fans about our show, Just Giants. Um, spread the word around. Follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course YouTube, and follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan and we will see you guys fresh and uh chipper tuesday morning for a review episode of the giants raiders game right here on all of those aforementioned platforms until then go giants